and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I'm joined on this episode and every episode by my co-hosts. The Oracle told her exactly what she needed to hear. Whitney Nelson. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And if he drops below 50 miles per hour, he will explode. Oh, no! Evan Wells. Oh, wow. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So that everybody knows, Andrew doesn't tell us these before. Yeah, we don't, so. know, we don't know what these are going to be. They're... It's an experience. I've literally changed it every week, but I think that this <laughs> is the format because I can pull Keanu quotes out of my ass for days. <laughs> So and this and you're only going to get more and more as we go along. You'll have right. a bigger and bigger base of, with which to draw from. It is incredible. I don't want to bury the lead here. We are reviewing Youngblood today, and we were just talking about, right before we started recording, that this is, um, it's not a Keanu Reeves movie. No. It's not at all. Mm-hmm. He was 11th build in the opening credits. Yeah. In the closing credits, he's right before referee. <laughs> yes, he has about three minutes of screen time. <laughs> Two of them are behind a goalie mask. So not not great. But before we get into the movie, what I want to do is what we always do and kind of get us in the mindset of 1986. So what was in the zeitgeist, the hearts and minds of the movie-going public? Uh, we've all established our ages, so we're not going to mm-hmm. do that again. <laughs> But suffice to say, as a good spread, Evan still is not born. Okay. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have Chernobyl. That happened. That was pretty bad. Ooh, weesh. We have the debut of the Oprah Winfrey show, which had wow. a good run. Yes, it did. Andrew Lloyd Webber debuted his adaptation of Phantom in the Opera in London's West End. That also had a pretty good run. <laughs> That's still mm-hmm. going. So. Right, yeah. Okay, pretty good. Who would have guessed that Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera would outlive Oprah? <laughs> Not me. Not, <laughs> Not me either. <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki successfully founded Studio, I don't want to mess this up, Studio Ghibli? 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 I've always said One of those three. Ghibli. It's one of those. Please... Tell me I'm wrong or right. Other notable movies released this year, Top Gun, hmm. Crocodile Dundee, Aliens, the Color of Money, The Money Pit, and Platoon, which is our Best Picture winner, 1986. If you were only allowed to watch one of those for the rest of your life, which one? Oh, that is quite the question. I immediately went to Aliens. I think yeah, that me is too. a perfect film. Really? I think that Aliens is one of the few sequels that is better than the first film. I, I'm Top Gun for the soundtrack. <laughs> Are you sure it's not for the volleyball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, added bonus, for sure. <laughs> right. Just so happens, volleyball. Uh, rather than bands or musicians, I wanted to take a look at what was popular on the small screen at the time, because that feels a little bit more in line with what we are doing. So we had Magnum P.I., Hill Street Blues, Family Ties, The A-Team, Murder, She Wrote, and The Twilight Zone, which is coming back soon. Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. I just saw that. Mm -hmm. Super Bowl ad. Looks incredible. A couple quick facts about this movie. It was directed by Peter Markle. After making this, he went on to do a couple television and theatrical releases, as well as like numerous episodes of different television series that you've certainly heard of. Stuff like Burn Notice, Fairly Legal, CSI Without a Trace... 
and has been consistently directing up until just last year. He might still be directing, but IMDb has him up to 2018, which is pretty good. I am in love with whoever wrote the synopsis of this I movie. I was just looking at this synopsis, and I, I was <laughs> thinking to myself, where did this synopsis come from? Where did you find this? Because it is buck wild. This is on IMDb. I didn't like pull this really? from anywhere out of it. Yeah, if you go to IMDb. Where did they get it from? You you say it. I'm going to go to IMDb and see if the source is credited while you while you tell people what. This one is marked as a spoiler synopsis. And if you'll indulge me, I would love to do a dramatic reading of this as Please I think do. it might happen. Please okay. do. Mm. I actually even have some music queued up for myself here. Thank so. God. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Ontario, 1986. The struggling hometown Hamilton Mustangs are in need of a new lease on life. (laughs) Thankfully, a hot, young American prospect by the name of Dean Youngblood is coming to town to show the world his moves. Yet, there's trouble brewing for the newcomer. Racky of the Thunder Bay Bombers is out for blood, and the coach's daughter (laughs) is out for love which could spell disaster for his chances of ever making it to the pros. Whether it's tea time with Mrs. McGill or the crazy antics of Derek Sutton, you're certainly in for a treat from this fantastic film full of deeks, jean jackets, and sexual tension thicker than maple syrup sucked from the teat of the mother tree in Quebec. Wow. My God, that is good. (laughs) It's worth noting that tea time was in quotes. That's a very important thing. It's tough to get that across i'm sure a much better actor could have read that in a way that really <laughs> tea time right yeah, <laughs> yeah a little there bit it of, is uh, yeah you did it <laughs> slide into the dms that is not attributed <laughs> to anyone on imdb it might be the official synopsis which is <sighs> wow. wow yeah mm. i think right out of the <sighs> gate the only the the one thing that i love about this is dean youngblood is a Peak 80s name, right? Yeah. It doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, I'm thinking along the lines, it's right up there with like John Matrix, right? You have Axel Foley, Snake Plissken. Mm-hmm. Like I'd put Youngblood up there with all of those guys. It's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Whitney, mm-hmm. tell me what you think about this movie. Did it work for you? No. <laughs> oh, man. What happened? What went wrong? Um, uh, well, I mean, I, this, I am not the key demographic of this movie is I think the, the main, what it all comes down to is it, it is just not for me. Hmm. Um, I think that for an eighties movie that was trying to be a very like popular eighties movie, it was lacking the like quotable moments and it was lacking the soundtrack to really become like a cult eighties icon like a bunch of movies that are I would consider in sort of like the same vein as this and I just can't get behind any movie who literally the entire plot of this movie is violence is the only way to succeed (laughs) yeah there was a moment where I thought that was not going to be the case and then and then (laughs) oh wait no it was. And they were like, wait a minute. Montage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, like, the as far as dialogue and, and whatever, I mean, the hair is incredible. You can't ask for yes, better hair absolutely. Than, than the cast of this movie has. Um, and there was a lot of things that were, like, totally fine and passable. But I just can't get behind any movie where it's literally the only moral of the story here is you have to be violent to get anywhere. Let me uh, ask, are you a fan of the what I would call the two leads of this film. I mean, Keanu, obviously he's in this, but it's not his movie. This is a Rob Lowe movie and a Patrick Swayze movie. Yes. What are your thoughts about them? I thought they were delightful in, in this. I thought that they were, you know, great eye candy. They're both weirdly young. Like, I'm just not used to seeing them that young. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. either of them in anything that is this young. I think everything that I've seen is after this point. Um, so Rob Lowe took my brain a long time to adjust to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, as far as like an 80s movie full of like late teens, early 20s dudes, doesn't really get better than young Patrick Clazy and young Rob Lowe. Absolutely. Ev, what are what are your thoughts about this movie? What, what are you thinking here? So I like to gauge it as, um, would I ever tell anyone else to go watch it? It's a good way and, to do it. Um, I think I would tell some people to watch this. I don't think about. I don't think everybody enemies or <laughs> <laughs> no, not just enemies. I think uh, I, there were there were moments in this movie where I was actually pretty pretty interested, like pretty glued to where it was going to go and what was going to happen, and that was interesting to me. I didn't. I really didn't expect that out mm-hmm. of me watching this movie. Um, so I did fall for a few parts, and and that was exciting. Um, I'm curious and, and to hear kind of, which those parts are. Yes, we, we will talk through those. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'd say overall, it it is I, I don't know. It kind of just felt like quintessential '80s B-list movie, and and I don't know. I kind of found respect in that in a way because it leaned into what it was. Yes. See, I didn't think it leaned in enough. I think that's my problem with it. I think if it had leaned in more, I would be like, yeah, totally, I get what it is. It's not my cup of tea, but it, I totally get it. Here, like more 80s? In, yeah, I think that if yeah. they needed to lean in more. Andrew, what do you think? Okay. Overall. Overall, I thought that this movie was lowercase f fine. <laughs> I would not... <laughs> As Evan does, recommend this to anybody. Uh-huh. If we were not doing this podcast, it literally never would have been an option for something to watch. It I never. Don't, yeah. I don't think I would have made it to Roblo's butt. <laughs> and you I, would have I, missed out on yeah, that. <laughs> I, I think if I had been watching this for, for any other reason, I would have turned it off pre-butt. That's a good that's a good way to look at it. Like if this was if you had nothing to do on a on a Saturday and you're just like flipping through the channels and you land on this movie, you know, are you going to the next channel or are you going to give this until the commercial break? Mm-hmm. Not even that. This is not the best performance of anybody in this movie, right? Not even, Mm-mm. nothing memorable really happens here. I'm not a hockey person either. I don't really know much about it. And even that, it doesn't seem like it portrays these people being particularly good at hockey either with the exception of like one shot maybe i thought the same thing i thought 
I thought knowing zero about hockey, like literally I could not know less about a sport than I know about hockey. Uh, none of it seemed like actual hockey to me. None of the, the games that they showed, like none of the moves or anything, that none of that looked real. None of the, I mean, obviously there was some fictionalized moments of the hockey games, which I'm assuming we'll talk about once we get closer to where they are in the plot points. But some of that stuff was nutso. And I, none of them seemed talented or, you know, it just seemed like a very, it seemed like if I made a movie about hockey, that's what <laughs> oh, okay. it would look like. And I don't know anything about hockey. Right. Huh. The, the director is a, a hockey player. Yeah. And the coach, or no, I'm sorry, the person who played Rob Lowe's father was a professional hockey mm-hmm. player as well. Everything about it felt now. This movie liberally uses slow motion. Oh yeah, in fact, where I to the point where I was like, "Oh, there's more slow motion." But even when there is no slow motion, it still feels slow. (laughs) Yes, yes, it does. Beyond that, um, I thought the relationship between Sutton and Youngblood, which is Swayze and Rob Lowe, I thought Mm -hmm. that was fine. Mm-hmm. The relationship between Youngblood and Jesse was a little far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some quotes that I will be able to pull <laughs> for that later on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just pulled really from... It, I, I have to imagine that Rocky had an effect on probably every sports movie after Rocky, and this one is certainly no exception to that at all. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, oh, this is, the, this is the Rocky training montage part. Got it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. They shared some of the same exercises that they were like during the training. That's yeah, a lot of, a lot of silhouettes, a lot of, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. sun- sunsets. <laughs> Both in barns. <laughs> yeah, probably. Those are my impressions. I think we're probably all kind of on the same page, it sounds like. Mm, yeah. So at this point, we can kind of get into the nitty gritty. So if you have any notes, Ev, I'd love to start with you on this one. Just kind of hit us with it. I think we're probably going to have a pretty good time tearing this one apart. Oh, well. my gosh. I guess we should go chronological, but I have so many notes. I have a bunch of chronological notes as well. So please just get into it. I wanted to say at the very beginning, I give credit to um, the, the opening shot where it's a, a home movie. It it actually felt like a home movie was being shot. And I say that because it's one of my biggest pet peeves in movies when they're trying to depict that someone is, you know, shooting on a, on a phone or that they're looking through binoculars or that they're doing something that isn't, you know, a full-fledged camera and they still work in things like zooming or like weird movements when you're just kind of thinking like no that the camera that they're using wouldn't be able to do that right and but, but in the be- dolly <laughs> yeah exactly but in the beginning of this movie they it was very they had like they overdid the whole grainy and and all that but they had that that really nice feel where you could hear the dad's voice like right next to the camera and then he put the camera down sideways and and the whole shot went sideways and you had to like subconsciously turn your head to see the shot. Mm-hmm. And that I really, that made me feel good from the beginning. And unfortunately, I guess it didn't maintain, but I was like, oh, wow, they, they captured a uh, home movie really well. 
And then from there, they go right into the dramatic, silhouetted, oh, ice soft, rink, soft focus, fog, yeah, so yeah. much sweat. Oh my god. Okay, so uh, I have this this note much later in the movie notes, but I did write down that the sweat budget for this movie must have been out of control. <laughs> it was incredible how much the, sweat there was, and like so unrealistic that it literally I kept being pulled out of the story to be like, why are these guys still sweating this much? Yeah. There's, there's a point later on in the shaving scene. They've been on screen. It's like six minutes of on screen time, which is forever. And probably about 45 minutes of real time in real life. And they're still literally just pouring sweat off of their faces. It's yeah. like dripping off of them. Sauna, like sauna sweat. Yes. And it ha- keeps happening over and over and over again throughout the movie. They should... They're like two hours out of a game and still just pouring sweat. And, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're athletes. I am not saying that they shouldn't be sweating, but I'm also saying that someone really, really thought it was like cinematically moving to have these guys just sweating all over the place. Yep. I feel like after the drill, I was like, okay, I can get behind that. But literally every other scene in the movie, I just thought to myself, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's- it's not right. Do you, people yep. didn't sweat this differently in the 80s. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just not a thing that happened. So so we move from the the Zamboni. We get the Canadian National Anthem, which is actually a legitimately a great way to start a film, yes. even an yep. American film. Yes. I'll take yep. it. What, what do we move into after this? Well, I wanted to call out that the 1970 GTO that his brother drives just fit perfect. Mm-hmm. And then later we learn that they end up having like tons of classic cars just riddled throughout their farmland. But the the right. 1970 GTO was just it was kind of beat up, the front fender was the wrong color. I just I loved it. I thought they nailed that as a as a movie car. Jumping a little bit ahead, they really conveyed kind of to me how shitty it must be to actually work on a farm. I was yes. like, I would never do, I'd never be able to do that. I'm such a baby. The farm farm working montage was great. Mm-hmm. I actually think that in, I had it written down that this whole setting up of the farm and the conversation over dinner and then you're out, it happened so fast and was so concise and it really set up, A, how shitty it is to work on a farm uh, and B, what the family dynamic is and they didn't, like belabor the point they didn't get too melodramatic with it i don't think that it was the most artfully crafted thing but i do think that these few minutes of movie are the best storytelling that they do because they're like it's a stereotype people get it we don't need to go too into it everyone's getting like everyone's picking up what we're laying down let's get out of here got it yep Absolutely. Yeah. The dad kind of disapproving the brother, the kind of little bit of a contentious relationship. Oh, he'll be back in two weeks, whatever. Like, uh, I, yep, I totally agree about it was that. Like, Quick to the point. We got it. We know the backstory. You don't need to go into exposition. We're done. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was actually kind of refreshing because I feel like most movies don't do that. And you start to get this, you start to get a family tension as well, because Rob Lowe is like, I don't want to work on a farm. You know, I want to be a hockey pro. And I, I don't, I don't want to be stuck here, and and that was that's kind of where you're starting to learn that there's a rift, and then you're starting to think like, well, w- you know, where's the mom in this picture? And we don't learn about that later, but it, it's it, it was a, a good way to just kind of set up that there's there's a little bit of tension there for a few different reasons. But they also seem to acknowledge that like it's a classic story, 
yeah people people know it already so we don't we just need to have the dad say like we can't afford to lose you and then that's all you really need to do is have him say well i'm going anyway and the brother kind of hating him but also standing up for him yeah and like covering and like that's all you need to do no one needs to know any more about it because it's a it's been you know one of the oldest stories ever told (laughs) is not wanting to go into the family business right the hero's journey Mm -hmm. he has to leave home yeah something (laughs) right so this new yorker shows up in canada he goes to the tryout what are we feeling about these other hockey players that they show right out of the gate Uh pretty incompetent right yeah. yeah. I yep. I was I was wondering where they were pulling these people from. It doesn't seem to like you said, I'm not sure what kind of tryout this is. I don't think they made it super clear. I don't know if it's more clear if you actually know hockey, but like this is not like scouting college football or something like that. I don't know where they got these guys from, but all of these guys that are at the tryout do not look like they have potential to go into juniors at all. Yeah. I would agree. And I couldn't tell if they were just trying to set up like an obnoxious juxtaposition between talent and like how good Rob Lowe is and how good this Racky guy is by showing just these idiots that can't stay on their skates. Um, if that's the case, that's kind of a bummer. But I couldn't really see another reason why they would have done it that way. Racky is, when we first see him, the thing that he does is he hits another player in the face with his stick. And I'm just thinking to myself, that's probably not the guy that you want. <laughs> so that was my thought, too. Uh, and clearly, we aren't Canadian and we aren't hockey fans because in this movie, it only goes downhill from there. But I immediately was like, well, I would never want to work with that guy. Right. We also get this pretty classic insult that from the 80s that's clearly hockey related come on somebody hit the hot dog (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna start calling people hot dogs (laughs) i mean i paused the movie to think about that (laughs) probably for too long i stopped i was like what is Uh, that a have i never heard that before and it's no it's just this movie so well i mean it it's it comes back to the idea of hot dogging right like if you're Showing off or showcasing, then you're hot dogging. So I've I, literally I mean, never heard that phrase before. Really? <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. Well, now it makes sense. If that's a real thing, then I take it back. It is. He's not calling him a food. He is just saying that he is hot dogging. I th- yeah. I didn't know what that reference. I thought like, what? What is the consistency of a hot dog? Maybe he's squishy. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. But thank oh, you, man. Th- you, I today I learned. Hot dogging. Great. There you go. After tryouts, we move into the locker room. It's a great scene. We've come a long way in regards to the sizes of towels that men use, which I think is great. <laughs> yes. Hand towels, effectively. Right. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not a good sports movie without a little homoeroticism, and you don't really have the homoeroticism if you don't have the tiny towels. That's yep. very true. So and sweat and a lot of sweat and a lot of sweat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a quick revisit, Andrew. the The definition of hot dogging is the act of one who hot dogs or the performance of intricate, daring, or flamboyant stunts. 
hot dogging. Yeah, I wouldn't say there was any flamboyant stunt. He's good at hockey. That's kind of what they set him up to be. So I guess in that yeah. respect, hot dogging. Okay. So locker room. I really enjoyed that people were working out in their hockey equipment. I don't know if that's a thing, but they were definitely doing it. They definitely we're, you know, were. <laughs> we're. We're talking, you know, these like four inch thick pants that these mm-hmm. guys are wearing. And they're sitting there, you know, doing curls and, and what have you. Uh, could be another reason for the sweat. But, um, <laughs> right, that is valid. <laughs> we're wearing too many clothes while working out? Yes, this doesn't seem healthy. No. But I think they, as a guy who's been in a male locker room, it was definitely overdone. But I think it's meant to show the team dynamic. And it's just like a room full of, um, you know, hockey egotistical guys and and I guess they nailed that. So obviously this movie and we'll get into it more and more but obviously this movie is about toxic masculinity. Yes. Sure. Um yeah. I do think that they actually did a pretty uh low key job of like I thought there was going to be a lot more hazing and a lot more like shit from the guys from the new kid that joins the team and obviously there is a prank uh and there's whatever but like they actually don't give him as much shit as i thought they were going to considering that it was very clear from very very early on in this movie that it was going to be about toxic masculinity i thought there was going to give him a much harder time and make him much more miserable at the start Absolutely. I, I think we should probably just talk about that prank. Yeah, I well, mean, let's talk about that prank since mm. we're we're about there in the in this plot synopsis. Uh, yeah, I mean, Whitney, if you wanna <laughs> if you wanna field this one, <laughs> I would love to hear just what you thought of it from the uh-huh. female perspective. Uh-huh. I, yeah, this was. I mean, I thought this was going to be a horror movie for a moment. <laughs> a straight razor comes out, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. please go uh-huh. ahead. I mean, I really don't know what to say about this other than they hold him down and shave his pubes. Uh, yeah. With a straight razor. That's that's their hazing. Shake him up a little bit. Scare him. Yeah. I I was under the impression they were going to cut his, like, head hair off. <laughs> like, I thought they were... Because they, they talked about, right before that, like, if you... That, something that referenced a haircut. And I was like, oh, they're going to, like, shave his head because he's got these locks or whatever he's got this great long hair right that would that would have made sense as an initiation but uh, taking a straight razor first of all a straight razor Mm -hmm. to someone else is is something hard in its own right like even to someone else's face is super hard it's it's risky at best (laughs) yes but going to the netherland and (laughs) doing that to someone else's Man parts is just that's obscene. I couldn't. I, I the whole the whole time I'm watching. I'm like, oh, okay, they're not gonna do his head. Maybe they're gonna like mess with his face. He doesn't have much hair on his face. Okay, maybe they're gonna like shave his chest. Okay, this maybe is very they're... interesting to me. And clearly, it's because I don't have the right equipment for this to be horrifying. But I was like, okay, they're gonna shave his pubes, and then I was done, and I was like, ready for the next oh, no. part of the movie. And you guys, I was fighting. Had it. a very different reaction to that. Right. Please don't. Please don't let that be it. Please I stop. Have, I have this. Uh, if you take a listen here. Where else can I get beaten up every day? Treated like shit by a bunch of prima donna Canadians. Get my nut shaped. Don't worry. Grows back. <laughs> yeah, he trailed off. Right. He didn't want to admit that some other guys shaved his nuts, and then she she's like already knows 
Right. She's like, welcome to Canada, friends. I get it. Yeah, it'll grow back. (laughs) I mean, that was kind of my reaction, too. I was like, whatever, that's fine. Like I said, I think that I thought they let him off light. I thought there was going to be a lot more hazing than that. But there's just a lot to consider, you know, like which. All right. We're not going to get into details, but, (laughs) you know, that that's a complex area. On a human. There's a lot of uh-huh. contours. I was mainly concerned about the, like, what was the what was the manscaping situation like back then? That this was, like, a thing that you could reliably do to another man. Right. What kind of experience did, did the person holding, it was Swayze that did the I mean, who else task. was on the team? I'm assuming that this was a common thing with new guys. Yeah, it could have been. I just assumed that... That, that the guys weren't taking care of their own stuff back then? I guess not, probably. That may be no. a new thing. Okay. Yeah, no. They definitely were not. Did you guys notice that in order for Swayze to convey that he was a doctor, he wore a jockstrap on his face? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hoping everybody else saw that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. It was good. My next note is, and I, I hope you'll both agree with me on this, it's um, Miss McGill... What the fuck? Yeah, no, I <laughs> yeah. wrote in all capital letters, what is happening? Yeah. This is your this is our entry into oh, it's that kind of movie. Like so, that that's where I had that moment where I was like, oh, this is gonna get weird. For the <laughs> right. Rest of the I kind of I, I just kind of I was like, oh <laughs> right. This is an eighties <laughs> movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So a little bit of background there. Miss McGill is kind of a um, what do you want to say? A, a, a housekeeper, a madam. That's a, <laughs> no. probably a good way to put it. Yeah, no, housekeeper. A housekeeper for uh, you know these transient junior hockey players, <laughs> and it's very um, forced in your face that she has a certain knowledge of each of these transient hockey players, um, and it it just I I feel like when they did this, there was something from the watching audience where they were like. People expect this, right? You put this this older woman in this house, and she's surrounded by just you know concentrate testosterone. It's that's that's what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I feel like the viewing audience is expecting it. You know, you're kind of like, right. oh yeah, it should go that way. Yeah. I so I did not expect that. I will say, not in defense of this, but. This felt like a little bit of a setup for a play on it that happens a little bit later in the movie, maybe. Yeah. Especially yeah. with the making of the tea and some of those types oh, of God. things that we'll get to. But I was oh just God. like, I it was baffling all around yep. for me. The the thing, I think, the thing that took it over the over the edge for me. I mean, obviously, that was a whole weird thing. She welcomes him in. She's like, "Oh, you're the new kid. Let me show you your." Let me show you to your room. I, you know, show all the new kids around or whatever. All my boys. Here you go. And and they do a maternal sort of a thing, but not really. And then she's wearing the short shorts as she walks up the stairs. Like, I wouldn't even have had a problem with any of this if it was just like some of... She just likes young guys and some of them she had relationships with. But as soon as the two guys in the hallway both talked about having had sex with her and she has now had sex, like presumably with every single one of them that's when i was like that's not necessary for the story just like 
we know that she hooks up with some of the guys sometimes. Because, you know, there's like, how many movies and TV shows is it where like an old professor hooks up with all the young co-eds? Like, that happens. And that's fine if you just like have relationships with people who are too young to be having relationships with you, if that's your thing. Like, that doesn't bother me. But when it's like a, the first night in the house, you sleep with the housekeeper with every single one of them, that's like a psychological problem that she has. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> that you either need to address or not include in the movie. Right. Pick one of the things. It, exactly. it can't be both. It's got to be one or the other. <laughs> it could just be that she's like, likes young guys and, you know, sleeps with some of them. But she had a giant stack of cards of hockey players that she had slept with. And it sounded like every single one of them in the house at the time, currently on the team, had slept with her at least once. And yeah. that's that's now a problem for me. Yeah, she remembered when she pulled the first card off, she like said that that guy had great thighs. Mm-hmm. She and oh, she yeah. you, she kind gross. of sexualized his stats a little bit and I'm like, "Oh, uh, you just have to assume that that whole stack and hey, more power to her if that's what she wants to do." But Wait, but that's what I'm saying. Like, more power to you. <laughs> Sleep with all the young dudes all you want to if that's your thing, but like don't every single one of them 100% of the men on the team, that's <laughs> yeah. That's too far. That's that's no right. longer like a, a, a sexual preference that is a disorder. Right. <laughs> Hockey um, player isn't a gender that you are <laughs> attracted to. <laughs> yeah, it's a type. Uh, and this scene where he's having sex with the housekeeper is where we hear Keanu Reeves speak for the first time. Yeah, only 20 minutes into the film. We do not have that audio because, honestly, it was not worth hearing. (laughs) Right. Um, Three words, maybe. (laughs) Maybe three words. And it's just him looking in with someone else, spying on the sex. And bragging. Bragging about about the fact that he was recently uh, also in the same situation. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Uh, And and we learn that he has some sort of French accent. (laughs) That is the big revelation, the big takeaway. At this point in the movie, I still thought it was a joke because I don't know if there's another person in the movie with a French accent. There no, that's not. there isn't. There it's is so not. strange. He's so the this only was one a with choice, a right? And and it and it's strange because in the earlier in the movie they say how bad it is to cross the border into Canada just to play hockey, and it's like this thought that you're invading, you know, their space and. But then they don't they don't really back that up. You know, they they could have easily backed that up by having a lot of other, you know, even extras or or second, third roles in the movie that had French accents. It's like, oh, great. Those are the Canadians. Those are the guys that don't want the Americans there. But it it was just Keanu. And it was almost a comedic accent. It was it was so forced and and so (laughs) fake. It just I, I. I looked briefly through Rotten Tomatoes, like, uh, user reviews of this movie um, before we started recording. I'm surprised it's on there. It is on there. It is on Rotten Tomatoes. It does not have a good score. I don't remember (laughs) what it was. I didn't write it down. (laughs) Low. Doesn't make a difference. Low. It was rotten. You vamp, I'll help. (laughs) But one of the comments was that... One of the comments that stood out to me, because a lot of them were the same thing over and over and over again, which was, I loved this movie as a kid or whatever, and blah, blah, blah. But one person said that he had a passable accent. And I was like, mm, was it passable, though? 
Oh, are man. you an American saying this or are you from Montreal? Because that makes a big difference to me because I guarantee you yeah. that was not a passable accent. Right. Rack it up, sir. Back it up. <laughs> 38% on Rotten Tomato. There you Whoa. go. 38. Yep. Although audience score 69%. Nice. Yes. Okay. The audience is pretty into it. I do, just before we move on, even though it has nothing to do with Keanu's accent, there was one other Rotten Tomatoes comment, and all it said was, too much sex, too less hockey. (laughs) Oh, that's a perfect, that just summarizes the movie. Mm -hmm. Too bad Mm -hmm. grammar, also. (laughs) Too much sex, too less hockey. (laughs) Too less. And I had to write that down because I liked it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but the, so then... Then we're starting to get into some actual hockey, and well, I have you, to. S- don't wait, I, wait, don't. You skip the part where they take him out drinking, oh, and that's oh, when the real man. toxic masculinity starts to come into play. Because oh yeah, now they're like catcalling girls, and there's a racist toast and um, a prank, and that's when we get the real Keanu Reeves line, right? That man is fucking an animal. Oh. Now, now that 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 act, those words in that order, that is not happening. I believe what he meant no. to say. No, they're speaking about the the tough guy who ends up being the the villain of the piece uh, on the other team, who just goes around and and hits everybody and knocks them out and slams people and gets violations yeah. all the time for being too violent. He's speaking about the violence and the aggression. Not actually uh, bestiality. That man is fucking an animal. Oh, I'm going to play that for the rest of the show, just randomly, whenever there's downtime. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that whole bar scene, it was like, okay, I get what's going to happen here. They have practice early tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. It's kind yeah. of hard to put it in... Like, I've seen a ton of movies that have done that exact same thing. So it's, mm-hmm. and I know that this may have happened before all of them, but I saw all of those first. So I saw this coming <laughs> a mile away, like uh-huh. the throw the drink over the arm that uh-huh. I was yep. like, okay, uh-huh. fine. Yep. They're going to get the new kid drunk and hung over. So he doesn't perform well on his first day. Yeah, absolutely. We've all been there. We have the old teeth and the bloody Mary gag, which oh, that classic, Classic yeah. caper. I've seen it a thousand times. <laughs> the oldest trick in the book. <laughs> Dentures in the Bloody Mary. When the one girl laughed and the Bloody Mary shot up in her face, that, that looked like a legitimate moment there. And I yeah. did laugh out loud at that. I was like, well, there's actually something that's funny. Also, I'm a child, so it doesn't matter. But <laughs> I like was, that kind of stuff. It was a better spit take. It was kind of a... It, it was just, you're you're right, and and I was trying to wrap my head around why she was like struggling with two straws, and then it all kind of came together, but uh, it was it was good. I thought that was a nice uh, little addition. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, now we actually yeah. move to some real yeah. hockey. Now now the real hockey begins. Yeah, so this is like drills, right? They're doing just drills on the ice, and that was a moment where I was kind of I was impressed by how difficult they made it look right like they were they were actually capturing pretty well that these guys are are working hard some of those moves that they were doing looked really difficult and it, and i thought they really got that across that like oh th- this is a terrible time to be hung over because you're <laughs> you're getting yeah. your ass kicked right, right now on the ice i will say this there 
I was going to do a, a pop quiz asshole, and we just don't have enough trivia to make that happen yet. But the one shining thing about this movie that I, I thought was pretty astounding was prior to this, Rob Lowe had never ice skated before. So yeah. he had to learn. And I think he came across as very competent at it. Yeah. Well, if you watch enough of these shots, it's kind of like um, the the drumline effect, the movie drumline, where you all the shots are not are mostly not showing him on top of the feet. So if if you look closely, it's pretty much torso down and torso up shots that they're doing, mm. um, and and that kind of took away from it for me. But in the in those brief moments where you are seeing all of him. I did think that they did a good job of kind of splicing it all in a way that was made you think that he was pretty good at, at um, skating. Yeah. So I have no notes for the next 40 minutes of movie um, because it was all pretty inane <laughs> yep. to me. Yep. So hockey, hockey, hockey. Rob Lowe's too pretty and not tough enough. Mm. Yep. Uh, Pillow yeah. hands, as they called him. <laughs> Pillow hands. <laughs> <laughs> Classic 80s insult. There's oh, a ton man. of great ones in this movie. <laughs> pillow hands. Hot dog pillow hands. Yeah, I pretty much jumped to uh, the Zamboni scene. That was the next part that had any oh, merit Oh, I have this me. here real quickly. He runs into who we later find out is the coach's daughter, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. we've seen. She saw him naked. She checked she out his She saw the ass. butt. Yeah, so... And... She has a couple really interesting lines. This is a really good one. I think all hockey players should know how to read and write. (laughs) (laughs) She's just, first of all, clearly a teenage girl written by like a 40-year-old man. And also she just loves negging him. That's all she does the whole movie is neg him. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so the Zamboni is the the next thing that I have. So, Ev, did you want to talk about that? Oh, man, I had a continuity issue. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> caught it, but that's what bothered me. When she, when when she's first starting to, to um, I guess, clear the ice, I, I don't know what the the verb is <clears throat> of Zamboniing, but they're, the goals are out. The goals are on the ice. And from what I know, you probably wouldn't run a Zamboni with the goals on the ice because you want to smooth that part of the ice out. But then... When the shot closes, the goals aren't on the ice. So that just irked me. Otherwise, I otherwise I have no notes on that scene. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whitney, do you have anything to say about this? No, I just, all of her dialogue was just wildly out of character. And she didn't, I, she's, it was everything she said. So I guess it was in character, but like they had good chemistry together. So it's still kind of a believable them being into one another. But every single word that came out of her mouth, I was like, who is writing this? What is she? Why is she saying what she's saying? Um, mm, like right. the whole movie. So I don't have any specific notes, but that, that was my overall, every single time that she said anything, I, I was like, this is weird dialogue. Yeah, so here is the moment where they decide to go on a date, I guess. Yeah. And the the logic for me just didn't hold up, but here, here we go. You know, your dad mentioned me. Derek says it's because I'm seeing you. Maybe he's right. Well, if I'm getting benched for something I didn't do, I figure I might as well do it. Do what? 
take you out. And what makes you think I'll go out with you? Because your old man doesn't want you to. Sounds like a pretty good reason. Does it, though? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she has a problem with, with her old man. It just feels... They don't really ever establish the problem with the old man, though, as part of it. I did think, uh, who's that, Ed Lauder, who played mm-hmm. her old man? I thought he, I thought he did, did a good job in this movie. I think he turned in the best performance of anyone in this film. Yeah. He was a he good did. coach. He yeah. was a good Great coach figure. He was a good yep. coach figure. He had the sort of pathos of trying to be tough enough to get the guys to be able to win, but also caring about them. Like, I think he did a good job with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think he, he had a good performance. I liked, I liked him quite a bit in it. When we get to it, my favorite part of sports movies is the motivational speech at the two-minute mark that happens oh, sure. in every single one of them. So I have that audio. It was speech. Yeah, I, I, you know, it was... It was I, okay. Right. I, I mean, there was a noticeable pause between when he kind of is like, break, and then everybody starts getting hype. Yeah. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. it feels like even they were like, oh, that's... That, oh, is that oh, it? Oh, okay, oh yeah, let's go now. Yeah. <laughs> Hockey! <laughs> Do we want to talk about their date at all? Uh, I mean, it, it was a little cliche for a hockey player mm. and a hockey coach's daughter for them to go to an ice rink, but I get it. They planted a joke in there, right, that he can't skate and all that, and there's all that buildup, mm. but I don't know what I was expecting for a date, but I didn't think they'd be on... An ice rink. I just couldn't get over the fact that they had a guard that was kind of just enforcing speed and <laughs> that he threw an old man to the ground in order yes, to try to that. catch up to them. Yeah. I feel like they were trying to portray that as an accident, but it, it looked very no, no, they were not. They were not trying to portray that as an accident. That was like their, their like fun goof section of the movie. They were like, oh, oh okay. this wacky guy with this wacky mustache throws an old man to the yeah. ground. Isn't this so funny? I'm yeah. the guard of the ice rink. He gets a face full of cake. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Slapstick moment. Yeah, yeah. That uh, the whole thing was just like, just for comedic sake, if you so, use the term comedic <laughs> loosely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, barely. Mm-hmm. So then after this is the gratuitous sex scene. And, I I want to step through their relationship because I thought it was an interesting progression. Uh-huh. Let's do it. They they go to this bookstore. Yes. And he's not allowed to walk her home. Mm-hmm. Then he pretends to get run over by her Zamboni, which we kind of just mm-hmm. discussed. The, as of as of this point, wait, before they go ice skating, they have spent approximately 30 minutes together in real Correct. life. Correct. Yes. yes, in real time. 30 cumulative minutes. She's already seen him mostly naked, too. Just put that out there. Yeah, so they go ice skating. Then they have this ridiculous sex scene. And then and and they get, like, caught. And then later, they have this massive fight where she's hitting him. And it was just this, this crazy progression of what would typically be probably six months, at mm-hmm. least, in a relationship. In like was... one day and then 30 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And I I couldn't get past that. That yeah. really bothered me. So 
sex scene again very sweaty they love sweat <laughs> um, they were right next to a fireplace or, or am i making that up were they near a, a roaring fire it was a yeah, no, it was a were. when did his room i didn't know it was a fireplace it was, uh, it was a wood stove okay yeah. and then they they invoked more water you know, they yes. started like yes, spraying, spraying each other, each with, other with, water. with with his like bottle that he uses during the game. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! They get god. caught by the landlady right. who is not pleased, but leaves them alone. Right while they're doing the lovemaking, she's she's making tea. She was planning on jumping his bones. She, yes. Like she, that was she her was goal. Definitely gonna, gonna oh, yeah. do it to Rob Lowe. I feel bad for her. You know, she did the, she did all this prep. She got all done up. She made this nice I thing don't. of tea. Apparently, she slept with all nine other people there. So yeah, she really yeah. has. She doesn't have other options. <laughs> she probably went to the next room. That's right. Yeah. Just, but she forgot her tea. I thought how they married the sex scene and the tea making was really interesting because you know how there's that like cliche in movies for sex scenes where it's like they show the beginnings of the sex scene and then they show like a train randomly like going into a tunnel and you're like oh you know here's the imagery but in this it was <laughs> it evan, was like tea making evan is your point of reference for sex scenes like <laughs> the austin powers films no 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 no. i was just because that was that random image is literally from like the second austin powers film. it could be that they were you know making a cliche of something else andrew I, okay <laughs> you know what i mean though there's like that i get it that <laughs> standard whatever imagery as it fades it crossfades between two shots this is this was different though usually when you have like the the back and forth between like a sex scene and something else that's supposed to like be in some way representative of the sex scene um elsewhere this was trying to build tension for him getting caught they were trying to make you much more worried for him and, like, what was going to happen when the housekeeper found him. Like, she was doing it very centrally because she thought she was going to get some. Right. But the whole point of that, like, usually it's a, it's a metaphor when they're cutting back and forth between right. something else and the sex. In this case, it was not a metaphor. They were trying to build tension for, like, is he going to get kicked off the team? What's going to happen? <laughs> is she going to tell the coach? And n- then nothing happened at all. Crisis averted. Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't get that until she was, like, feet from his door i Mm. still i still kind of took it as this i I don't know maybe not though you're probably right because it's not like they were skimping on the imagery of the sex scene it's not like there was much for you to leave to your imagination right right that would have been captured in tea making they put put it all out there yeah it was pretty gratuitous i mean Mm -hmm. it was like your literally name any other film in the 80s it was that it was yeah trading places it was 16 candles it was any of that so so patrick swayze is mentoring the kid after hassling him for the first you know whatever hockey 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 sex scene patrick swayze is a mentor and now we are in actual like games Mm -hmm. yes and uh they like win one and then they lose one and then they're in a new another game and and now Racky is back classic and, 80s villain yeah and, bad boy bad boy Racky. <laughs> <laughs> and he he thinks that he's got the drop on everyone and then turns out no rob Lowe has the drop on him and gets the thing away and then he feels like a fool so now he's going to retaliate and he's going to retaliate after being bodied by patrick swayze by 
going after Patrick Swayze for no reason and brutally injuring him. Mm-hmm. Literally almost murdering him. Like, yes. Just moments before murder. With two illegal, two illegal moves. <laughs> and right. again, he goes back into the box and the coach just like pats his arm. Like, chill out, dude. Not like, don't do that. Not you're off the team. Not call the cops. Everyone's like, this is fine. This guy who's breaking property and killing people and maiming them and getting violations in every game for how aggressive he is 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 totally fine. This is Mm -hmm. just part of the game. So there's no consequences for Racky in any of this. So now Patrick Swayze is out of the game. He's in the hospital. And all of this time, Patrick Swayze's been telling Roblo, you got to be tougher, you got to be tougher. Now Roblo doesn't want to play at all. And he walks out. Quits. He quits the team. He's like, I'm not going to be tough. I don't want to play at all. Yeah. And he goes back home to the farm. And it's rough. It's rough. It doesn't it's... make a lot of sense. No. The game, the, the whole movie really starts to fall apart right at this point. Yeah. He, and he left the love of his life also. They had that fight. He was like, I quit. And then he leaves. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what That's if that was point. you? And he was like, I know. What if it was me? I'm w- leaving forever. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, yeah. It really, like, as soon as as soon as soon Patrick Swayze's head hits the ice and then there's blood, the whole movie just starts to unspool. Right. I feel like the, the timeline gets weird. The decisions don't make sense. But he's back home. It's worth, it's worth noting that we're not really seeing Keanu's character even in the locker room anymore. No. No. The only times that we have seen him after basically that guy is fucking an animal... His mask is on, and he's on the ice skating with a mask on. You could not even be Keanu, although it is Keanu, because the whole reason that they hired him was because he did so well in hockey as a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he we basically never see his face again for the rest of the movie. So then they go into this great farming montage, and it's just like a series of unfortunate events for for Rob Lowe, right? Like mm-hmm. he's getting a chicken flying in his face, and he hits his head on the door. <laughs> And then he, like, drops his hammer. He has to get a tractor out of the mud. And it's all stuff where you're like, man, that it seems so irritating. I'd be so angry. Yeah, he's kind of a I shitty was... farmer, really. Like, <laughs> yeah. When he was feeding the chickens, he was throwing the grain on, like, directly on, on the, chicken. the chickens. At yeah. the chickens. That's not how, I, I don't know if that's how that works. I'm not a farmer. Off camera, but with, like, sound effects, they portray him, like, kicking one of the chickens. <laughs> It's like, man, that's your livelihood. Rude. (laughs) Also an animal. So rude. Don't take it out on the chickens that you just gave up on your life dream. Yeah. So then his like his brother, who who we had learned was doing was going after the same thing, right? His older brother, but he got injured really bad. So now one Mm -hmm. of his eyes is a different color and he can't see out of it. And He's like, no, I'm going to teach you how to fight, pillow hands, and then you're going to go back and do hockey. You hot dog. Mm-hmm. And then you're you going to really dog. hockey it up <laughs> yeah. in the playoffs. And, he, you know, there's this big brotherly brawl. Well, not brawl, but, like, you know, a disagreement. And, and I guess it convinces him. I guess it convinces him because he goes back and he's like, I'm ready to fight people now. Yeah, uh, I trained. I hit so punching bags. He's on the ice, and his dad comes. And there's a very, I don't know, Greek moment where it's like you have to dethrone your father in order to move on to the next stage of your life. (laughs) Sort of a thing where his dad's like, hit me. 
Oh, and yeah. He's like, I don't want to hit you. And then he's like, you got to use the, the jersey to pin me down so you can hit me better and whatever. It's a whole thing. Anyway, he grapples with his dad and then decides that he's man enough to be able to hit somebody in a game. Yeah. And this is on their private ice rink that yeah. they have somewhere with like boards and, and everything. It's like a perfect ice rink. So he somewhere. goes back and he's like, coach, put me in. And the coach is like, hell no, you quit. Yeah. And he's like, I'll fight you to prove that I'm willing to fight people. And the coach is like... I respect the shit out of that. <laughs> That's exactly what he was like. Pretty much. He read his eyes. They had a big uh-huh. They had a big eye-to-eye moment. It was long. But yeah. it was actually Swayze that told him to let him well, in. Well, so that... You, yeah, you're, you're, you're jumping. You're jumping. I was just about to get to that. So... Patrick Swayze, who was in the hospital so badly beaten, we didn't know when he was going to get out again. And all of a sudden, it's a big miraculous moment because he's well enough to be in the locker room. Yeah. Right. But just to, And just to put that in perspective, just maybe, I don't know, five minutes before in the movie, like it was ca- like brain damage was casually mentioned <laughs> yeah. in, on the bus. And it's yeah. like, so he thinks I maybe think he's, he's going like to die or, right. or dying. And now all of a sudden he's in the in the locker room like, let him in, coach, let him play. <laughs> Yep. Still still bandaged, though, just yeah. in case. So then, then he plays. There's a dramatic confrontation. So the, there's a, a game-winning goal by Youngblood with three seconds left. And he demands to be left in the game as time expires to be able to confront Racky and take him down. Totally unnecessary. Like, we're done. The game is done. But he's like, no, I got to keep going because there's time left on the clock and I'm going to beat this guy in the game even though no one's playing the game anymore. Then they have a sword fight with hockey sticks. <laughs> in my notes, I have in capital letters, hockey duel. And yeah. I loved every minute of that. I was like, well, it just turned into Game of Thrones here at the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm no expert in the game of hockey, but I have never seen anyone fight someone else with a hockey stick in a sword fighting manner. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. know if that's regulation or not. Don't think so. <laughs> and then... He hits him in the face and the body several times, and then he's carried off the ice on the shoulders of his teammates, and he's won. And he's triumphed over pacifism. That that last hit, that last hit that knocks out knocks out Racky is so good, or because he, it's like a really slow motion echo punch. Mm -hmm. You know the one where like. Once it makes contacts, it's like, like it's when it hits his face, it's amazing. It sounds like the same exact punch, like from Super Punch Out, like when you knock someone mm-hmm. out in <laughs> on Super Nintendo, like, it's so good. That's pretty. It's it was an interesting choice. Foley guy. It had to happen. It had to happen for the movie to end. That that scene was absolutely required. Not in like, not if not if we're living in the in in the movie. If we're in that world, it doesn't have to happen. But for the movie, it it had to happen. I don't know how else it would end. Like, what, are they gonna shake hands and say like I'm sorry? And you know that that just no. He just does some hot doggy trick and and really embarrasses Rocky, and then is a, the better man and walks away. Mm. And Rocky's just embarrassed that he's never gonna get pros. That's how it ends. Not pacifism is for for losers who get stuck in dead-end jobs in their father's farms the way of the peaceful warrior is the way of dying in obscurity Mm. after hashtag dad fight i thought (laughs) that remember he his dad mentioned something like i have a few other tricks i could teach you yeah Mm -hmm. i thought that 
some of those other tricks might have been like really cool hockey moves that he could use on Racky. And apparently it just turns out that it's just, here's a really hard way to punch Racky in the face. Yeah, yeah pull his jersey over his head. Yeah, here's a cool punch trick. <laughs> the, the coolest tricks of them all. <laughs> well, yeah, he gave him that really great line on the ice. You can learn to punch in the barn, but you've got to learn to survive on the ice. Ah, oh, it's so good. I didn't even really hear his slight accent until you just played that. He's got like a little bit of a, like a pikey kind of accent coming through, like Brad Pitt and Snatch. So that's the end of the movie. He's victorious. He has used violence to settle all his debts and win the game. Success. My favorite part of the movie, I did not include in the roundup because I wanted it to be separate from everything else. There is a... One of the games with the, like, where they're out playing and they win one and they lose one and they whatever ends up devolving into just everyone takes off their gear and is fighting on the ice. (laughs) Full out riot brawl. Yes. And my favorite part of the whole movie is Patrick Swayze full on mouth kisses the ref in a really. Oh, yeah. Really. He really went for it. It was like, like very sensual hands (laughs) and just really. There's no tongue, but it was a legitimate kiss. Patrick Swayze really went for it. And that is my favorite part of the entire movie. It's It yeah. was really, that whole scene, there were a couple things where I just wrote, is this hockey? And then <laughs> the first thing was, does the goalie <laughs> usually skate out of the net to cross-check an oncoming player? I don't no, think so. I, so that's that's what I'm saying. Things like a full-on like riot on the ice, goalies coming away from the net, um, sword fights. Right. That's under <laughs> Is This Hockey as well. <laughs> All of that is like when I said this feels like if I wrote a hockey movie, knowing literally zero things about hockey, this is what I would put in a hockey movie. The fact that it is made for hockey fans by hockey fans and players baffles me because none of this seems real. And it kind of makes me want to watch some hockey and see if this ever actually happens. <laughs> well, you'd have to watch, be disappointed. You'd have to watch 80s hockey because a lot has changed. Well, in, I, I would. I would not I would not you know, like even the the protective gear rules have changed wildly and stuff. I would not watch today's hockey to see if this was a legitimate thing. Yeah. I'd have to go watch like junior league hockey from the 80s to see if it was real. I I mean it might be. So you could you could watch what this movie was broadly or loosely based on, which was the nineteen seventy six Stanley Cup final. Okay. Which actually featured the Philadelphia Flyers. Oh. And get out of my face. So the uh, that's actually where they that's kind of um, where the rival team name came from as well. The Thunder Bay Bombers is similar uh, apparently in in these writers eyes to the broad street bullies which is the flyers so that's kind of where all this came for that's kind of neat that they mm-hmm. loosely based it on something but i wouldn't mind going and and watching the 76 stanley cup final it's probably a pretty exciting game so my my favorite part was the man on man mouth kiss <laughs> what were your guys's favorite parts of the movie i like the part where the coach just went and started punching the fans which also might have been during that all-out riot scene it was it was and then he gets ejected from the game and literally just walks around and comes out the other side Mm -hmm. sneaky yeah i'm like oh and also that ref 
is completely ineffectual. The one who like has to make the call at the end about the penalty shot. They're like, call the thing. And he's like looking around. He's like, ah, and he just blows the whistle. I was like, there's a, there's a guy. There's a guy that knows what's up. I liked the penalty shot because it was the epitome of hot dogging. <laughs> and I thought they, they captured a, a pretty good job of like capturing what somebody who's really good at hockey how they would do a penalty shot. And there was a lot of like fancy footwork and stick work for that penalty shot, and I, I appreciated that. Does that happen often? That's my question. Because that seems like a thing that would really... So like the Philly special or whatever, I, those seem like once in a kind of a lifetime thing. Like you can't do that anymore. I wonder if that was a thing that actually happened where they were like, we're going to steal that move and use it here. Oh, that move? Maybe. I don't know. But penalty shots are definitely kind of are, are super important to the game of hockey. And that's that's what you, you know, that's what you practice as a hockey player is that approach to the goal and and kind of faking out the goalie. So I thought that was well captured. Thrillist, real quickly. Uh, put a list together of the top ten hockey movies. Do you guys have a Do you have a guess of where this movie was? It was on the list of top ten. Yes. Get There's the not f- that many hockey movies. There's probably like twelve hockey movies. <laughs> <laughs> Out of twelve, it made it into the top ten. So to give you some reference, <laughs> if the Mighty, Mighty Ducks is not one, Mighty Ducks is I'm burning five. Thrillist to the ground. That's Mighty it. Ducks Thrillist is, is done. Is yeah. Slapshot number one. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I that's my that's only wrong, point. But I, yeah. <laughs> fine. Slapshot's fine. This movie number was, ten was ten. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't look. I swear to God, I didn't look. I was just yeah. figuring like, if Slapshot's number one and the Ducks are number five, it's not even half as good as that. So it's got. <laughs> yeah. There was right. just some math involved. Yep. I get it. I mm-hmm. thought the kiss wince at the end was a nice touch. I thought mm-hmm. they were going to go in for the real deep kind of kiss and the camera circles around them and that's how the movie ends. But it was, I was like, all right, well done. He literally has nerve damage. That would be very painful. Yeah. Yeah. It was good that they maintain that. Those are our thoughts on Youngblood. <laughs> a Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves adjacent movie yeah it's a reeves-esque film i guess yeah it's got a dash of keanu Keanu a sprinkle at this point in his career i'm still not sure that i would like consider like i wouldn't think that this guy between one step away and his role in this film is anything i'm like he's gonna be a great background actor forever (laughs) i'm very curious to see what the next few films are like and how much of a role he has and what he's like in those roles because yeah. I really would I'm really not sure how the progress from what we've seen so far to Keanu Reeves like what that looks like yeah the trajectory will be interesting you know is yeah. is, is it just gonna is he just gonna like fast track into Maine or is it is it still gonna be like a slow build I think there is a lot to be said about working for a director who can at least competently put a story together in beginning, middle, end format, and then also acting adjacent to people like Patrick Swayze and Rob Lowe, who at that point in their careers were a little bit more established and at least like 
good actors, right? You know, not mm-hmm. not great, but like we had The Outsiders at this point, and yep. I'm sure we had some other films that Swayze was in. So I was like, okay, maybe he's maybe this is rubbing off, right? You're you're adjacent to this stuff. You're probably picking some stuff up. So, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So next week we'll be talking about flying a movie that is also often called Dream to Believe and sometimes even called Teenage Dream. It is actually (laughs) extremely difficult to find out what the real title of this film is. Weird. Have either of you looked at the synopsis for this film? Are you looking forward to it at all? I have seen the synopsis of it. I am not super looking forward to it, but I think I'm going to enjoy it more than a hockey movie. But it does seem like since Keanu Reeves plays the boyfriend of the main character, that we'll probably get some more Keanu screen time in the next one. So I'm excited for that. Evan, are you looking forward to this movie? Yeah, um, I, you know, but truthfully, I'm 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 probably going to look forward to most of these just because I am really enjoying this whole process. Yeah, um, but. I don't know. It, you know, if we were to use the synopsis to to understand movies, we, I think we all would have been led astray by the synopsis for the movie we reviewed <laughs> just now. So I think it was on point. <laughs> um, Go so, back and listen to my reading of it. It was on point. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Would you guys recommend that people watch this movie? Evan apparently would. Well, apparently he would to some people. <laughs> I think yeah. I I think it's I think it's you have to have the right expectations. You, you go into this movie thinking like this is going to be a little ridiculous. I'm probably going to laugh a little bit. I'm not really going to care if people talk over this movie or if if it's kind of playing in the background. Um, mm-hmm. But I you know it's if you don't have much else going on and you and you just want to see like an old just very cliche. Uh, you know, cliche 80s hockey movie, if there is such a thing. Yeah, check it out. I feel like you could just watch, like, just put on The Breakfast Club and Top Gun at the same time. And then you don't need to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, and if you really need Swayze and Keanu in the same room, I mean, come on. Yeah. There's a movie that comes later that's <laughs> way better. That's literally that. So, yeah. There's other options. I vote nay, unless mm. you're super into hockey, in which case go for it. But That's I am true. not, and I feel like there's no reason to see this movie. If you're following along at home and you happen to have watched this, hopefully you got some joy out of our discussion of it, and you're <laughs> nodding along in agreement. I mean, like, it wasn't a bad movie. I don't, like, regret the time having seen it. I just would never seek it out. Yeah, that's a good point. I won't watch it again. Yeah. As opposed to One Step Away, which I will I, watch. I'm full of regret. Every year, like Christmas. <laughs> I have already watched it three an more annual, times. An annual One Step Away showing. That's just, those are just hate watches. I'm telling you, everybody. Those are just hate watches. Do not listen to them. And those are our thoughts. So you can find our website at coolbreezepod.com. Access all of our episodes, the list of films we'll be reviewing, and much, much more. You can also reach out to us by emailing coolbreezepod at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. We actually had someone from Australia reach out and say that he loved our first episode. And that was very delightful to hear from someone so very far away who none of us know, I believe. 
If you think this is a podcast you can get behind, please give us a subscription on your platform of choice. And if you're feeling super generous, a review helps us get seen by all of the other people that might be looking for something like this. So we'll be back next week. But until then, Whitney, where can we keep up with your exploits on the Internet? I am Whitney underscore Nelson on Twitter, and that's N-E-L-S-E-N. And uh, I have a whole bunch of podcasts, Historical Hotties, um, where we talk about the um, dead people that we fancy. We take different categories of historical figure and try and figure out which one is the biggest babe. And all through February, we're doing love and love-themed episodes. So the first one is Candy Makers and Chocolatiers. And then we are doing doing Royal Consorts. Um, We are doing Sex Symbols. And then we are doing the last week, I think, is going to wrap up with um, romance authors. So uh, that is Historical Hotties. And we are at Historically Hot on all social media. And then I talk about video games on Almost Better Than Silence, uh, which is just a video game podcast where we talk about news and what we've been playing. And then I am on a real play podcast called Myth Takes. And you can find that Myth Takes pod on Twitter. They are all worth a subscribe. Thank you. I know that I am subscribed. Ev... <laughs> Where are you on the internet? I'm on Instagram. <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> uh, yeah, at Evan Acree. Um I'm also on Twitter, but it's probably not a fun follow, so don't worry about it. That man is fucking an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I told you I would. I it's didn't do it nearly enough. You can find me on nearly every social media platform at Dark Driving. I teach video editing over at YouTube called The Primary Storyline. Check that out. And you can visit my website, andrewgormley.com, to see some of the cool things I have been working on. Once again, thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. <laughs>